Where in the world is Ellen? Yeah, um, I guess Italy is is somewhere, you know, I I guess for Americans and Australians, Italy is this kind of mythical place where I think we it, it's so beautiful, so much great artwork came out of it, so much great food comes out of the place. That first clip was Peter Moore. Peter Moore. Um, I'm uh, an Australian travel author, but currently living in London. And I'm Ellen Lurie, currently in Madison, Wisconsin. But this podcast is about, spoiler, Italy. Everyone that has ever gone to Italy has kind of said the same thing. And Italy is just one of those places where the culture is so pronounced that these nuances keep cropping up in random stories. So I called up Peter to help me convey the adventure that is Italy. I should know that I've only been to Italy once, and it was because of my best friend Suzanne. Susan and I became lifelong friends because of Bocce, and in the summer of 2012, she emailed me with a proposal. Ellen, I'm in a funk. I need to escape the monotony of work and life. Want to go to Italy? They have everything we love. Bocce, Prosecco, beaches, pizza, history, and good-looking men. I just replied, who says no to that? So Operation Italia was a go. I had her plan almost everything. My planning included buying the airfare and reading Peter's book, Room with a View, where he describes his draw to Italy as... I was drawn to it by um, when I was growing up watching these old Italian movies and basically seeing these dudes on old Vespers looking very, very cool (laughs) when I was sort of like growing up on the outskirts of Sydney being very uncool. So it became kind of this mission of mine to sort of get there one day and and wander around, and as it turned out, to go around on an old Vespa. Susan and I boarded a plane, got to Rome, and then arrived to the train station to get to Cinque Terre. And the first thing we noticed was that the train was scheduled to leave at 3.30. Now, we had heard this thing called Italian time, but didn't really fully comprehend it until we were at the train station. And when I mentioned this to Peter, he reminded me of... It can get quite frustrating at times. I remember when I first got the bike uh, up in Milan from Gianni. Uh, he's saying, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll get these things fixed. You know, you just, you go up to, you know, you go off to, I think because the, the bike had broken down and he'd come up and got it and he's saying, you just stay here, I'll get it sorted out and I'll call you. And and it, I think I was up there for a week in the end and you just thought at the first couple of times you're going, I wonder if he's doing anything, I wonder what's going on. And then, uh, you know, is it, am I being ripped off? Or, you know, you st- it was early on in the trip where I hadn't sort of adjusted to that Italian way of doing things. But, you know, in a, a, after the week, the bike was fixed, you know, he, he sorted it out and, and it, it was great, you know what I mean? And uh, he's actually gone out of his way to help me, but just in an, on an Italian time frame. <laughs> Eventually, at 6.30, Suzanne and I made it to Cinque Terre, and what we saw was magnificent. This is a reading from Room with a View. The Cinque Terre is a stretch of rocky coastline along the Riviera di Levante, named after five isolated villages that cling dramatically to the cliffs. It stretches from Monterosso al Mare to the north of Rio Magori in the south. And it wasn't so long ago that the villages could only be reached by the sea. Even now, there isn't a road that links them all together. The whole area is protected as a designated World Heritage Area 
And this, combined with the fact that the land is simply too difficult to build on, has saved the Cinque Terre from becoming overdeveloped. The five villages have changed little over the centuries, a jumble of pastel-coloured walls and terracotta roofs seemingly tumbling down the cliffs to the sea are backed by vineyards planted on terraces cut into the side of the mountains by hand. The steep paths that link each village is notoriously treacherous, and locals revel in telling stories of hapless tourists falling to their deaths on the jagged rocks below. Suze had got the apartment from one of her friends, Bogdan, a Romanian who had relocated to Monterosso to work at the Internet Café. He hated his job, but he was greatly amused by us, apparently. He gave us our keys. We hiked four stories up to find the cutest apartment of all time. A full bedroom with cupboard space, a tiny balcony that had lemon trees growing right outside, an amazingly cute bathroom, just cute all around. And the best part was the fridge was stocked with six bottles of Prosecco. So we opened one. And then another. And then we decided to stumble downstairs to the internet cafe to harass Bogdan. We offer him a bottle, which he takes and drinks. And then we grow bored and head down to the beach, the way you do when you're drunk on Prosecco. There was the, the women were all hanging out the washing um, in these sort of tall buildings that sort of, you know, all the sort of terracotta colored buildings and that sort of thing. And they'd be calling down to their friend who was like having an early morning swim in the harbor and all that sort of stuff. And I promised Suze I wouldn't tell the world what happened that night, mostly because neither of us remember it very well. But that woman taking the early morning swim that Peter was talking about, that could have been some drunk American with curly hair who decided to go skinny dipping and forgot where she was and then passed out on the beach. Or, I mean, you know, it could have just been a regular Italian. I'll have you decide that. Bogdan was hungover and not much for company, so Susan and I decided to go looking for food, which we did. We got all the peas out of the way for that day. Pressed coffee, pastries, prosecco, pizza, pistachio gelato, and finally, pasta for dinner. This was basically every day of our vacation. Eating, swimming, hiking, drinking, dancing, rinse and repeat. Any weight that I was afraid of gaining because of all those carbs, I must have been sucked away because of all of our other physical activity. Neither of us gain a pound. That afternoon, Suzanne and I decided to both watch a bocce tournament, as you do. Now, the way that we play bocce is we throw balls around, we drink, we socialize. There's some points or something. But that's not really the object of the game. The object is to socialize. But the Italians take this game very seriously. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, that's the thing about the Italians. They don't do things by half measure. And Peter also recalls seeing a bocce tournament in Bobia. A bocce uh, tournament happening. And they sort of like had all these sort of, you know, the, the sort of flags strung up from all over the world. The men will start in a stance and throw these silver balls towards the target called the Polina. And then they proceed to argue about how they did. But again, it was, it was full on hardcore, these guys playing, uh, playing bocce and sort of in this little hidden town up in the, you know, the, the mountains in Italy. So yeah, they take it seriously, that's for sure. At least this is what it seemed like. 
What shocked Suze and I was how freaking accurate they were. They were like botchy Jedis. Wherever the ball should have gone, they were dead on target. I nudged Suze and mentioned that we would have been lucky to get within three feet of our imagined target. And she nodded in agreement. Monterosso isn't that big. I think it had a population of 500 when we were there. After we closed down the bar, Bogdan showed up and took us around, showing us the various sites that Monterosso had to offer. And this cliche of meeting up with the locals happened to Peter as well. Man, I got dragged off to so many sort of little festivals, little restaurants, little bars, and, and, and all these kind of things that I probably wouldn't have seen otherwise. Um, and yeah, it was just nice to, to be embraced into that sort of, you know, uh, Italian way of, of living and, and so, you know, sitting around with friends and having a meal and, uh, you know, and just sort of celebrating life. A few days later, Susan and I were catching the train back to Rome. And this is a great time to remind you that this was before my epic adventures and before I developed this laissez-faire attitude. I like things to be scheduled. I hated being late. I really hated missing my train, which is exactly what happened. And I was panicked. I had never missed a train before. And what, oh my gosh, what was going to happen? Did we forfeit all that money? It took a bit of time and a bottle of Prosecco to remind myself that this was a chapter in Peter's book. The, the most interesting part of the trip to me were the things that ha happened unexpectedly and took me in, in sort of unexpected sort of um, directions. Like, for example, when the the bike broke down up in the mountains and and the the um, the uh, what, breakdown service guys turned up, put the bike on the back of their truck and just drove off, and I had no idea where we were going. And we we just sort of a couple of, you know, down these windy roads further up into the mountains. And then we arrive in this like little town in the middle of nowhere um, where the mechanic sort of says, oh, I can't, you know, I, I can't fix it today. I'll fix it tomorrow. Um, and then he takes me up to a, a hotel in the middle of nowhere. And it was this beautiful place. And I sort of, you know, it was like the classic thing. You sort of threw open the shuttered windows and there's the sort of rolling Italian hills with the, you know, the wheels of hay and uh, all, you know, the cypress trees and all that sort of stuff. And then went down and the, the meal was included and it was this fantastic Italian feast. And I was, I was starting to dread. I was thinking, God, this is going to cost me an absolute fortune. Um, and I, I went down to pay the next morning and the, I think it was something like 30 euros, something, something ridiculous. I should know that Suze wasn't worried at all, which makes her just hands down the best travel partner ever. It's also worth taking a moment and noting that most people, as Peter reminded me, like to pre-plan their holiday, but then they miss out. Don't worry, you know, okay, obviously, they, I think these days, you know, recently, there's this obsession with pre-booking everything. Oh, I've got to, you know, got to have my hotel book, I've got to have my train book, otherwise I'm going to miss out, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, I, I think sometimes it's good just to step back from that and just sort of let things happen and see how they take you. And, you know, 
things go wrong. They're the stories that you dine out on for years. You know what I mean? When 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 things go wrong, if you you know, come back and say to people, oh yeah, I stayed in this really nice hotel and had a nice pool and um, I had this great meal, their eyes start to glaze over. But you know, if you say to them, well, I was on this bus and it sort of plunged off this ravine and then uh, blah blah blah, everyone's sort of on the edge of their seats and want to hear more. So I just think, and it, it's. There's something nice about the, uh, it's not even peril, but just the unknown of, of what might get thrown up. So, um, yeah, that, that's the, if that's was how I treat all my trips. All right, back to the story. So Suzanne and I catch another train a few hours later. Clutching a bottle of Prosecco, we run into a whole different problem. There were a lot of cute boys on the train. A lot. Like many. Probably like an entire rugby team worth. But we couldn't talk to them because we didn't know Italian. And we were pretty sure that they knew more English than we knew Italian. So, like what you do when you're drunk on Prosecco, we made up a code so we could talk about them. And we started talking in tween tweet speak, complete with saying hashtag and abbreviating words. Whenever I talk to her now, it's kind of an inside joke, and I find hashtag totes amused out of it, but it's probably hashtag soups aggro to everyone else that's listening. We arrived in Rome right around dinner time and we ate more pasta and then checked into our apartment. And the following day, we checked out all the things you're supposed to check out when you're in Rome. Rome is amazing. The Colosseum is amazing. You know, and there are these things that you are must sees, but don't, Make them the entire focus of your trip, and that you, you know, you're flat out ticking the boxes of all the of things to see. Just sort of g- give your trip time to breathe a bit. I think that night we decided to go clubbing. We put on our dresses, we prim, we did up our hairs, we grabbed a taxi. It was just zipping around all these old buildings, fountains, and monuments that left Susan and I completely mesmerized. We arrived at this club and met some hashtag adorbs men and spent several hours dancing our butts off. When the club closed down, a new friend, Claudio, offered to take us home. To our home, not his, just to clarify. Put yourself into into these situations where you do meet local people uh, and, you know, they, they could give you uh, some advice on, on what to see or they might invite you to... Uh, come to their place, have a meal, et cetera, et cetera. But I think just putting yourself out there a bit. Claudio, if you're listening, grazie. The next day we boarded our plane and left the amazing country of Italy behind us. I know I'll be back someday and maybe I'll take a page from Peter's book and do it all in a Vespa. Have you ever been to Italy? Leave me a note at ln.lurie at yahoo.com or at my blog at ellenlurie.com. If you want to know more about Peter, the fantastic writer who has written six books about his glorious world travels, go to... petermore.net. Um, and, you know, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all that sort of stuff, but the website's probably the best place to go because there's all the stuff about my books and some photos and pictures and stuff. And, uh, yeah, so... Um, That's the best way. Thanks to Peter for being recorded, Matt Foster for the voiceover work, and Vivaldi, Georgiana, Vasco Rossi, Venturoni, 
Villa Anita Abate, and Gianna Nanani for their music contribution. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Yeah.